We come across many people who aspire to reach high levels of formal leadership within organizations. They're hungry for continued upward progress on the organizational chart. But what does it really take to be an effective senior leader? Beyond just getting promoted, what is it about people at higher levels that helps them genuinely succeed in those roles? In this episode, we explore this topic, drawing upon relevant research. We discuss motivation, ability, skills, knowledge, and how those characteristics fit into the ideas of being a high-potential professional and executive leader, along with implications for people who want to lead at high levels, for those leaders themselves, and for organizations. Welcome to the Indigo Podcast, an exploration of human flourishing at work and beyond. I'm Ben Barron of Indigo Anchor and Cleveland State University. And I'm Chris Everett of Indigo Anchor. For more information, please visit us at www.indigopodcast.com. I feel so passionate about today's topic, Ben, because I want the good guys and gals to win. I do, right? too. <laughs> Enough of these jack wagons coming in. We've all worked for them. You're like, golly, how this how this person get in charge of anything? And yet they're stuck there. So today we are going to help paint the way forward for you. So we're going to talk about the evidence about various skills people need to lead at different levels. Paths toward gaining those skills for both high potential professionals and people currently in leadership roles and implications for people who want to lead at high levels, for those leaders themselves, and for your organizations. And I want to add this too. Even if you're like, there is no way I want to sit on top of an org, there's something for you in this episode as well, because we can all be leaders and take knowledge from the leadership literature. And I'll add on to that, that if you just look at the world and all of the problems that are in the world, many of them could be ostensibly traced to a failure of leadership. And all of us have a role to play, I think, in making our world a place that's worth living in. And that includes our formal organizations. It includes our our towns, our cities, uh, and everything in between. So let's start with this first part, which is about looking at some of the evidence about the various skills that people need to lead at different levels. Uh, And maybe we can start off. I just have a question for you, Chris. Uh, How do you define an executive? What does that mean to you when you hear that word? Well, that's a kind of a tip of the iceberg question, because for people like you and I, Ben, that marinate in this stuff day and night for many years at this point, we see something that's really large with the huge iceberg under the surface of the water. But if somebody put me up to it at a cocktail party, You know, I would say it's a combination of concrete skills and leadership skills that make an executive. So concrete skills for an executive, I normally think are you manage a P&L, you know, profit and loss statement. You have a budget. Like for me, these are the concrete things. Oh, I'm a leader. What do you do? Well, I report to the real leader that does the budget and all those kind of For me, once you hit an executive role, you have some financial responsibility within an organization, and you know how to execute that. And on top of that, you have followers that, you know, teams or teams of teams, that kind of thing. You're not like a highly paid Apache server expert or something. 
You know, that's like a subject matter expert. But for, for an executive has to lead people direct on the financial level and generally has a piece or develops actual strategy. I think those are definitely good elements. It's interesting. I, I think back to a, an old article written by Peter Drucker. He had this article, I think it was called um, something about what makes an effective executive or something like that. And he boils it down actually really simply and says that an executive is someone who executes <laughs> and says, and, and, you know, so he, he broadens the definition a little bit saying that we all have different things that we do in terms of implementing things in terms of getting things done. I think oftentimes in common parlance in in modern organizations, yes, many of the things that you mentioned come into play. So at an executive level in a corporation, there's a level of financial responsibility. You have direct reports. Uh, you are involved in or maybe even driving strategy. And, you know, in our conversations, Chris, especially with some of the more junior folks out there, we have ambitious, smart people we talk with, and they say, you know, I want that. I want to, and maybe they like the idea of it. They don't know exactly what that means yet, but they're, they're motivated. And, I, you know, we, we do need high quality people running organizations, be they in the private sector, uh, nonprofit sector, public sector, we need good government uh, executives as well. Uh, and, um, I, I think this is just a really important topic. And so thinking about this at different levels is a great way to think about it. So if I'm at, you know, my current level, what do I need to get to the next level and how might I think about that? That's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. The, yeah, we run into these problems, even at the CEO level in organizations, and we have to be brought in to coach and develop some of these concrete skills and items that were not developed in that leader's journey. And somehow, all of a sudden, oh my gosh, I'm at the top of an organization. What do I do? We can help you prevent that. Oh no, I, I'm a hollow person because I haven't developed or didn't know what to develop along the way. Now, on LinkedIn and everywhere, Ben, I see this thing, and I know it hacks us off a little bit here, but like, what do you think about the idea of management versus leadership and then like how that nests within the idea of being an executive. I think management and leadership comprise different sets of skills in theory at the executive level. You, you probably need both. And actually at many different levels across your career, you're going to need both sets of skills. So oftentimes we think of management as being Things related to planning, organizing, directing, and controlling the work. It's more of the tactical efficiency types of things, getting things done. Leadership is more of the strategic, the visioning, the doing thing, dealing with uh, the uncertainty and ambiguity and change. Both are very important. And I think good executives oftentimes have a, a strong mix of both. And it's it's to the detriment of effectiveness everywhere to denigrate management and to privilege leadership above management at all times. Uh, both are very important. Both are very related. And I think developing them both at the same time makes a heck of a lot of sense. 
And as we will talk about here today, some of those management skills are the ones that, you know, we can call leadership skills, whatever. We're going to kind of be interchangeable with that. That's how we are. You know, in our conversations, we kind of use management and leadership interchangeably, even though we do understand the difference. We do, I, believe me. Uh, but even in our course that we're um, putting together, Good Leaders Do This, that has elements of management in it, which is great. Uh, so real quick, Ben, let me let me say this. That was an excellent definition of management versus leadership. However, the lay conversation on LinkedIn, and this is what lets us know that there's a lot of people that are lost on this topic. Management is like that jerk that sees if you're five minutes late or not. Mm, yeah, it's, <laughs> the, it's not, the yeah, micromanager. You, right. The the boss, right? It, you know. And the and the leader's the guy that looks really or gal, you know, that generally the evidence says that most people think about guys in this roles. And that's, that's a problem for another day, another episode for us to talk about that kind of bias, but looks good in a suit stands up there. And it's like the, I don't know, talking head, YouTube, Facebook. <laughs> I'm, I'm the picture of the organization. Look at me leading. I have like arbitrary values that I'm asserting. We're going to be, energy efficient organization of the future and that's my leadership and well i don't yeah so not only <laughs> management and leadership you need both and by the way the way you talk about it on linkedin lets those of us in the know kind of know that man we probably need to do some work there because i don't even think they got the those things right i think there's probably some truth there uh and i you know i think where i come down on it is these are all important skills and you know like most of these skills they depend on the situation you're in, and they depend, as we're going to talk about today, on the level at which you're trying to execute being an executive or moving toward a formal executive position. Of course, there's another distinction that we haven't really talked about, which is being an informal leader. Do you have a leadership? Do you have a title versus not having a title? Of course, you can exercise leadership. You can be a leader without a formal role without a formal title associated with that. Now, today, we are talking a little bit more on the side of formal roles and hierarchy and organizations, because I think that's what a lot of listeners care about is, how do I get up to a higher position in an organization? Because I do want to lead at a higher level. I want to get paid more. I, I understand that these are things that people seem to want, and for various reasons. Um, so, Yeah, because cash is awesome. And let's be honest, organizations organize in hierarchies. Right. Uh, most of them do, despite, the, you know, what you hear about Google having, oh, there's no bosses. And, yeah, they still have structure. Google and, tried to get rid of managers and they really studied it and really then they realized, oh, we actually do need managers. It's actually really helpful if we have good ones. So we're, and, and when we're dealing with executives, those are people that have management and leadership skills are in a formal role, generally with a hierarchical path to the top. So let's talk about what are these skills that it takes. You know, what skills does an executive make or have, I should say? Sure. Well, I'd like to start off by saying, hey, folks, go out there and check out our Substack. We have a Substack, which is a newsletter and a blog. It's at elevatingwhatworks.substack.com. You can also go to elevatingwhatworks.com, which is a site where you can search for various things and has more information about what we're doing kind of on the, the learning education training side of what we do because we do obviously have a consulting firm but we also like to just uh, put out 
information that's more on the uh, training and development side. So that's our Elevating What Works stuff. Go check out elevatingwhatworks.com. Sign up for our Substack, uh, either as a free or a paid subscriber. We'd love to have you there. Yeah, and that's, so show notes, if we go over stuff that you want to review or maybe take notes on or download, that's where you're going to find the show notes for episodes like this. So check it out. So, all right, awesome. What right. are these skills? Ah, what are these skills? So we're going to draw upon a really interesting research article and study that was done a while ago, uh, but I think it's still pretty relevant. It's called the Leadership Skills Strataplex. <laughs> so it's kind of an interesting model of leadership skills. And this was an article by Troy Mumford, Michael Campion, and Fred Morgison in the Leadership Quarterly, a good leadership journal. And so I uh, have a, a link to that in the show notes, which you can check out if you're so inclined. And like I said, this is Strataplex. Been a... <laughs> I, you just blew past like one of the cooler words in the English language. What is a strataplex? Is this like the Death Star 2.0? It's like, hey, we can't. Death Star didn't pull really well as as the evil empire. What if we went with strataplex? That, what, what is a strataplex, Ben? It's a Death Star 2.0. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's the model that they use in this article that talks about different levels of leadership skills. And they present this model of four categories of leadership skill requirements, cognitive skills, interpersonal skills, business skills, and strategic skills. And they tested this model on about a thousand people across a bunch of different levels, so junior to senior levels. And they really wanted to figure out a couple things. Number one, they wanted to see, are these actually distinct skill requirements? And number two, they wanted to see, how these different skills might differ at different levels. Do you require, for example, different levels of different types of cognitive skills at different levels or interpersonal and so forth? And what they found is that different skills do matter at different levels. Uh, so if you're at a junior level, there's some skilling, some upskilling that you need to do in certain areas. And this article, I think, helps to illuminate what some of those skill areas are that you need to focus upon. Yeah, so the strataplex, and the, I love this idea, is there's different skills, right? You segment the different skills, skill one, skill two, and then at different strata or levels of your career, you're going to need, hey, more of skill one as a junior person. You'll still need skill one as the top level exec, but not as much on the day-to-day. -day. That's right. And that's actually what they found. They they found that the cognitive skill requirements, and we're going to go through what these these all mean, but they found that the cognitive skill requirements, these were important across all the levels. Um, you needed cognitive skills at the junior levels. You need cognitive skills at the senior levels. When it comes to strategic skills, those requirements were really only needed at the highest levels. So even though cognitive skills are kind of this baseline, these fundamental building blocks of leader effectiveness, you do need that strategic skill, especially once you ascend to those higher levels. So you need to be developing those along the way so that when you get there, you're not in a situation where uh, you're going to derail, you know? Yeah, you're, you're not calling us with tears in your eyes in the middle of the night saying, help, help. Well, and, and so this out on up, a plank. So this, this brings <laughs> up a very real point that I think is is just so important. 
if you are an ambitious professional and you want to ascend to higher and higher levels of leadership in an organization, it's very important to not just be going for the promotion, not just doing those things that are going to get you noticed so you can get the good review and, and get the next job. You want to actually be prepared and ready to execute at that level when you get there or be very close to it, you know, at least know what's required and be ready to, to step into that role and do a good job at it. I think that's, that's really where I come down on this. I, I don't want, I wouldn't want anybody to, you know, kind of go after things with that, that, that empty shell of, of skill, right. Where they're just putting on a good show and getting the promotion and then failing. Once they get there, you want to actually be ready. I see this all the time. Warning, soapbox. Tiny Uh-oh, window. watch out. Uh, I see this all the time. Most that, now this is a bit of a bias because, Ben, we, the perfectly healthy organizations that are doing everything right, that's not the mainstay of our consulting work. Normally something's going a little bit wrong. Um, so behaviors that we see when people don't have this lens of knowing what skills I need to develop and, and the, all those kinds of things along the way. And now I'm stuck at the top. That leads to all kinds of bad behavior, um, stabbing each other in the back to get to the next level, right? Posturing about, you know, looking good in a suit, saying the right words, always talking about new initiatives. Oh, yeah, we're going to do this initiative, this initiative. Oh, really? What have you delivered? You see these kinds of behaviors and people that are stomping around that don't want people to know that the emperor has no clothes. And you can avoid that by being stayed and developing each level, looking ahead, developing these skills, because what will happen is maybe you get a CEO that actually knows this stuff and they'll fire the whole lot. Also, if you come up in an organization that doesn't, expect this and you can backstab and posture and be full of baloney to make baloney your way to the top that's a dangerous place to sit everybody else is going to be knifing their way up to you right and it creates that kind of like mob like like mafia mob mentality of cutthroat and people say well that's the business world i'm going to tell you that the business world's competing on good ideas and hustle and all of these kinds of things, the mob organizations will generally not fare as well with how they p- keep top talent as somebody that that does it the right way. Yeah, and I, I think the right way is to continually actually trying to be ready for that next level, not just going for it without being ready. Okay, so let's talk about what these different skill requirements are. Uh, when it comes back to the Strataplex discussed by, in this research uh, article in this study, we're talking about cognitive skills. This has to do with some of those mental capacity things, things that we do with our minds. Uh, these are things that you you know you can develop and and sharpen through practice, likely. Um, but there's also an element of uh, innate ability here. So these are things like your ability to collect and process and disseminate information. Um, how you learn from different experiences, from different information. Communication is actually a piece of this. So these are certainly skills that you can learn. Things like active listening, you can get better at it. Uh, Things like how to communicate 
either through uh, uh, orally or through written language. Adaptation, critical thinking. Those are big parts of cognitive skills. When it comes to interpersonal skills, this has to do with social interaction. So interacting with other people, obviously. Interacting with influencing other people, what's called social perceptiveness. And this might be what some people today refer to as emotional intelligence, uh, things like coordinating work, negotiation skills, persuasion skills. Those are all the interpersonal things. Business skills has to do with functional skill, managing resources, analyzing operations, managing people and financial resources. Notice that I said managing a couple times there when it comes to these business leadership skills. This is where they're kind of blurring the lines here between leadership and management, and I think rightly so. Strategic skills are those more conceptual, in fact, highly conceptual skills about where the organization is, where it plays in a broader environment and how it wins, thinking about how systems influence each other, dealing with the complexity and ambiguity that inherently comes with trying to pilot or steer an organization, how to influence the organization in broad ways, uh, visioning, environmental scanning, identifying problems and solutions. Those are strategic skills. Yeah, there's no secret sauce here in the sense of I was born, you know, what what was kryptonite, right? Or what was it that Superman, right? Superman, he was like, I fell from the sky in a spaceship and I have these magical executiveness. Like, that's <laughs> not that's not how executives happen, despite how many people posture that they're some super special thing these are concrete skills that if you do the time for the crime and you keep your wits about you you can develop and ascend to the higher levels now if you find yourself in one of those orgs where everybody's like a backstabbing poser don't try to grow there (laughs) that's not that's not a a game playing field that you want to play in if you can avoid it sure You know, so some of the big takeaways from this study of the leadership uh, strataplex is that you do need more skills to be successful at higher levels. So it's not just about, you know, kind of BSing your way into getting promotions, as we have, I think, fairly forcefully advocated against already here on the episode. Cognitive skills really do matter, followed by those interpersonal skills. Those, I, I think you may consider those some foundational types of leadership skills that you need uh, across the spectrum of different levels in an organization. But as you move up, those business skills, those strategic skills get increasingly important. So as you move up, the implication here is you've got to develop your business skills, your strategic skills, understanding the business, making sure that you can uh, uh, do the, the, the management tasks of doing things with a uh, a profit and loss statement, being able to uh, manage resources in a, an appropriate way. And then those strategic visioning skills as well, especially as you get more senior. Yeah. And if, if you didn't remember all like 50 skills that we just listed, they're on the sub stack. It's free to join. Just you can go snag them there. Another piece of this is identity as a leader. Mm. Do you see yourself as a leader? And 
that could seem kind of existential, but Ben and I come from a military background. And if you sign up to be an officer, right, you complete your college education and your primary military education that's for that role, they slap a rank on your chest and say, well, you're a leader now. Mm -hmm. Now, I think anybody that's met a, you know, a brand shiny new second lieutenant know that this this guy or gal is basically licensed to cut themselves right now, right? They've been given the position. They've been given a tiny bit of training, but their leadership journey is just beginning. But what's interesting is they don't get to say, well, I'm not a leader. I just got this rank and the extra pay. We start projecting that identity of a leader. All right, Lieutenant, what are you going to do? Hey, Lieutenant, you need to take charge here. You need to be a leader. Right. I think it's a fantastic example. And there's some great research out there from Darja Masinko and David Day and some colleagues. And we put some links to this in the show notes as well about this idea of leader identity. And it does go hand in hand with some aspects of leadership skill development. So if I see myself as a leader, I might be more willing and motivated to develop some certain skills. As I develop those skills, I start to see myself more as a leader because I become competent in them and it becomes a virtuous cycle. One really interesting thing that's important to note, I think, about leader identity and really this whole leadership journey type of idea is that it takes time. And one of the biggest pieces of advice that I think I would give to anyone who was maybe fresh out of, you know, a couple years out of undergrad or maybe just got their MBA and is really ambitious is be patient. I know that's the word. <laughs> no one wants to hear that. But being patient with yourself and being patient with the organization, understanding that it's going to take some time and you may not, you may feel like you know everything, but you probably don't. And it's important to to be patient. Take opportunities when they come appropriate opportunities when they come across your your life. But uh, I think patience is very important as you develop. Yeah, this being a student of leadership and management and the, this all of this stuff is really important. Start seeing yourself as a leader right now. Even if you don't aspire to a position within an organization, you got to be a leader for your family, for your friends, in your community. Lots of times, what's that quote? Some have it thrust upon them. Oh, um, well, it's actually from Shakespeare. It's from Twelfth Night. And I think that it's something along the lines of some people are, are born great, others achieve greatness, and still others have greatness thrust upon them. I'm going to say, this is my addendum to this, is that life will thrust leadership on you. It will. It's very hard to just socially loaf completely. And I've seen some awesome social loafers. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> they get by. But see yourself as a leader that it's creating the person you want to be and the community and organization that you want to inhabit. Right? So that identity will get your journey started. Now the problem is people get, will get I have an I'm a leader. And they're full, their brain is full with a bunch of numbskull ideas about leadership that they picked up, sometimes well-intentioned. Maybe they got a book at the airport that was a bestseller that's full of a bunch of malarkey. And so 
make sure that, yeah, okay, you got that identity. All right, I'm a leader. I'm ready to accept this mantle. Now make sure nobody wants the leader that's running in the wrong direction. Man, that leader, he took on that identity and he started running. The problem is, is he ran, <laughs> he ran the wrong way. <laughs> and so make sure, take that mantle. You can do it. We believe in you. We help mint leaders every day. But once you take that mantle, go in the right direction. It's also important to note that none of the skills that I mentioned when it comes to the leadership strataplex or becoming an effective executive, none of those have to do with how you look, how you sound. Uh, they are about actual skills in influencing people and in managing resources and steering an organization in an appropriate way. And there are a lot of organizations that I think don't don't really get at what actually is important for leadership because there is a strong bias for what has worked in the past. Uh, and sometimes what's worked in the past is what you need to continue doing. I'm not saying that that's necessarily, you don't always have to change. You don't always have to do something different. Uh, but you know, if you're, if it's an organization that maybe has an unhealthy model of leadership, or there have been a lot of leaders who have been successful and they've gotten that way by stomping around barking orders, then the problem is, is that creates a bad role model for the rest of the, the folks in the organization. And they start seeing that as the model for how they should be. And that's, that's not uh, sustainable for the long run. It's not a model of leadership that, that really is evidence-based and will work to propel your organization forward in the direction that it needs to go. Yeah, I, we see this in civilian organizations and we see it in the military. We do. I've had... I've had a colonel tell me, that guy just looks like a leader. I'm going to promote him. Mm. And you're like, really? And what's interesting from the research, and this is from a paper that's, well, there's a lot of good papers that are mentioned in this uh, one article, which is Advancing the Science of 21st Century Leadership, Development, uh, Theory, Research, and Practice. But they, one of the things they did, now we know that like being tall and having good looks and stuff often relates to being selected to be a leader. It, it there has an impact. But they actually did a study on how you sound, how you speak. And that was also positively correlated with being selected for leadership. Now, that's just getting you into the position. But what it wasn't related to is actually being effective. And we have tons of organizations that are selecting off of look, sound, God forbid, personality tests and a whole host of things. What's your problem with personality tests? Well, I have a bad personality and I fail them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, think it, I, I think it's the, the type of personality assessment. I mean, we do know that certain types of personality characteristics are important in the workplace. Um, sure, but, but, but if you're going to discover <laughs> what color you are to determine, hey, listen, only greens lead in this org. Right. You know, or, that, or, that's the wrong answer. <laughs> right. Yeah. I would, I, different topic, but focus on those things in general that are more around the, the big five personality characteristics when it comes to workplace effectiveness. So getting selected off of these items does not show effective. So if you're leading an org, you actually want your executives to be effective. So you have to have something else there. Now, we get it. It's pragmatic. Maybe you came out of MBA and you find yourself in a company that seemed good on paper, but now you're in there and you're like, oh, no. 
Well, if you have to stomp around and pose a little bit to get that first slot on your resume, we're not against pragmatism. But you want to start shaping that organization to be something different or bounce out. So let's turn our attention now toward those different paths that one can take toward gaining those skills that we talked about, both for high potential professionals and people currently in those leadership roles. Because, hey, maybe you did get promoted and you're like, hey, I I need to develop some of this stuff. I'm not that great at strategy or I need to fill in some gaps. And that's fine. That's normal. Oftentimes, we are not perfectly ready for the positions that we get into, just because we don't know exactly what they're like until we're in them. We can try our best, but once we're in, we need to not be blind to our own gaps and we need to work to fill them. So, uh, you know, let's think a little bit about what a typical career progression might be for an executive. This is a tricky question uh, for me because I, I'm not sure there is a typical career progression, but oftentimes it's, you know, where you start off at a junior role, you start to, uh, you know, you succeed, you do well in that role, you get promoted. Maybe there are some, you know, you you might have some missteps along the way, but in general, you learn and you continue to perform well. You get some responsibility at some point, maybe if it's a a for-profit organization, you get um, profit and loss responsibility at some level. Usually that's like a director thing and above. Uh, and then you continue to um, increase your scope of responsibility and authority. Uh, so that's oftentimes, you know, kind of the, that's like a, a very traditional, I suppose, way that it might go. Oftentimes uh, this will involve changing different organizations, all right? Because, you know, unlike the military, which is a completely internal labor market for the most part, um, most organizations hire people from outside. So, you know, maybe if you're within an industry, say you're in healthcare or financial services, you may bounce around between a couple different organizations uh, until you really start to land in those senior roles. Yeah. I mean, I always just think it's like manager, senior manager, director, VP, senior VP, if they have it. And then you're in the C-suite, maybe. Mm -hmm. And then that's different. That's, you know, industry size. So if you're at a mid, you know, you have 2,000 employees or something, and you're ready to uh, step up to a chief human resource officer, you may go to an organization that has 500 employees to take that high, right? So industry, size of org, but there is kind of a, you know, higher levels of responsibility and progression. And that's what you're looking for is to build those skills that allow you to ascend those steps. So those are some, you know, things that we noticed, like the hard skills we talked about, P&L, doing how to do a budget. I can't tell you how many orgs are like, listen, we're just so busy. We're just going to add three to 5% to what we did last year, which was a budget that they probably inherited from 10 years ago. And it's completely divorced from what the org actually needs. It gets such a mess that some organizations burn it all down and start from scratch on paper. It called zero budgeting. But that would be like a hard skill. But some of the soft skills that that we notice just anecdotally is like stakeholder management. Mm-hmm. How do you let you know your peers and the people above you and below you know what you're trying to execute? Mm-hmm. 
Sure. And those soft skills can derail you just as much as the hard skills, quote unquote. And I think you could argue that many of those soft skills are much harder to do <laughs> to acquire those skills uh, than, you know, the, the the nuts and bolts of budgeting or something like that, um, because they they're wrapped up in how we behave and how we think. And those are, are super um, individual and complex things. So, um, and we're talking about more likelihood for success. The interesting thing about those soft skills is it's if I could contort myself magically enough or in the right direction, I will always be successful and win the day. But you're playing football for keeps at the executive level. Sometimes you have a vision, you have to like stand by it, you pitch it, and somebody's like, I think that vision's so bad and awful, and I'm just going to fire this person because they're completely out to lunch. And I think it's important to think about this idea of derailment. And we've talked about this on other podcast episodes, but derailment is when you got somebody who's maybe was high potential, they get promoted into a position, and then for a variety of reasons, they do not succeed. They don't perform at the level that was expected when they took on that new level of leadership. And this can happen for a variety of reasons. It can Sometimes it's not the fault of the person. Sometimes just stuff happens. Um, other reasons why it can occur, though, is that maybe some of your strengths actually become weaknesses. You start to ignore maybe some of your weaknesses that really need to be um, addressed. Uh, and sometimes... People just have some arrogance, some hubris that comes with success. So I was, I've been successful in my last three roles. I'm going to be in this new director role. I'm just going to keep doing a lot of the same things that I was doing, and I'm going to be fine. And that arrogance can mentally block people from being open to feedback and being open to learning. I think you know one one really important takeaway from this entire episode, and we'll talk about implications here in a little bit, though, is 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 just humility and continual learning. I like thinking about leadership as a journey, and it doesn't that journey doesn't end until you end until <laughs> until your uh, your life is over, really, because we're always learning things. At least we we should be. I think that it, it's important if we want to continue to be productive parts of this this thing we call civilization that we uh, we continue to try to learn and improve. Man, this was right on. <laughs> <laughs> so experience is important here. Yeah. Right? So we can get the mental model, right? Definitely read the book unboxing, but you need to have some practice matches before you actually go fight somebody. <laughs> And so you 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 got to assume aptitude and willingness to learn. Right? If if you're somebody that does not you're not a lifelike lifetime learner and that kind of stuff, you probably don't want to set off on this journey too um aggressively. Well, and and I want to also note that the, hey, that's fine. Like this this is an episode for probably those people who who do really want 
to try to keep going, you know, neither one's up better in their career, whatever. Like I in a society yeah. that lionizes like having a Porsche and all that kind of stuff. I say, say I, yeah, I say who cares? Like, nay, I, yeah, nay. I, I, I really <laughs> we, we we need people of all types in, in organizations. Everyone can be a productive, valued member of organizations, of society. Everyone has the same level of dignity and respect. I don't care if you're the CEO or someone at uh, you know the most junior level, whatever, however you want to conceptualize that. Um, and your happiness is found right. in finding that right mix of and, who you are as right. a person and what is out and there in the fine. world. So if you if you think, hey, this isn't for me, that's great. Like find your own path and do that. Now, assuming you do want to go to uh, an executive level in an organization. Yeah, you've got you're going to have to have some some basic ability, some of those cognitive skills might not be ones that you can necessarily change, and you got to be willing to learn. That's really important. Along the way, you're going to, you know, getting experience super important. Uh, Marshall McCall is a a researcher who's done a lot on this and, you know, he says that if if we know one thing about how leaders develop, they develop through experience. Um, and not all experiences are the same. You've got to learn the right lessons from them. That's where getting some feedback, some coaching can really be helpful. Uh, and training does help. It's not the only thing that, that'll make you better. But what training can do for leaders, if it's good training, evidence-based training, uh, it can help introduce some new ideas, some new skills, some behaviors. And ideally, people can then take those and use them in their work, uh, see how it plays out in the lab of life, as you sometimes say, Chris, and get out there in the ring and actually try boxing a little bit and uh, continually learn along the way. Yeah, mentoring, coaching, and having stretch experiences matter. Mm-hmm. They really do. Um, that, like you said, you can, somebody says, well, I'm an experienced executive, but sometimes they took the wrong lessons from having the same experience and they continue to, to fail, right? So having a mentor that can say, hmm, let's try some of these things or a coach that can help guide that kind of thinking and learning. And especially like stretch experience matters. Um, I've coached so many executives that, are, you know, will call an anxiety sometimes. I mean, Ben, you've seen how many tons of executives cry with me uh, when stuff happens because they're being stretched. They're obsessed with like having it already being perfect. They've probably posed as perfect people to their team or other executives. And when life is stretching them, but you gotta, what do we call, say in the army? Embrace the suck a little bit. Mm -hmm. And just be humble and pragmatic on it and make sure that you have the right supports as you go into those stretch experiences to help you maybe avoid some mistakes you don't see and also make sure that you're learning and growing in the right way. So a number of years ago, Marshall McCall actually wrote this article about leader development and talked about how experience is really what matters and he wrote it in the, uh, he published it in Industrial and Organizational Psychology, Perspectives on Science and Practice, which is the Society for Industrial and Organizational Psychology's main journal. And what that journal does is they post these focal articles and they give you like a month or two for people to write commentaries on them. And I actually wrote a commentary that got published on his original article about leader experiences. Uh, it was an article that I wrote with, uh, with Marissa Carson, who was a, a prior Indigo podcast guest. 
Uh, her last name was Edelman at the time. But Marissa and I wrote this article where we suggested that, yes, leadership experience, absolutely important for becoming a better leader. You need those experiences. However, sometimes experiences aren't a viable option. Uh, for example, when you're dealing with crises and dealing with dangerous things, uh, it's important. And we don't want to have to make, for example, every firefighter get burned in order to learn. Uh, we can and we likely should try to learn vicariously through the experiences of others, looking at how other people have tried things and failed, looking at near misses that are applicable to our situations and trying to learn from those as well. So it's not just about having those experiences ourselves, but also about learning from the experiences of others as we move through this whole leadership journey. And now I want to give a little warning here. There in life, and especially with this stuff, right? Early management leadership literature like was interesting. It may be productivity focused, or then we have some lay business books that CEOs write about how to do things. And we have a whole landscape of leaders out there with stuff that we just know isn't true anymore about leadership. And if you're listening to podcasts like this, if you're focused on evidence-based like leadership and training and coaching development programs, those kinds of things, you're going to start to know stuff about leadership that your boss and maybe even your boss's boss's boss don't know and don't execute on. So what, you're, what we're kind of painting here is this lens or maturity model. So you're like, okay, I'm going to take on the mantle of leadership. I want to do this leadership journey. Then you start filling your mind and your person with good evidence-based stuff that's validated, that's going to help you win. A, a rub and a challenge is a lot of people don't know this stuff. They, they, they go ahead. And that's ahead. where you need to recommend to your entire organization, including your <laughs> boss and your boss's 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 boss, that they need to listen to the Indigo podcast and they need to sign up for our Substack at elevatingwhatworks.substack.com. So, uh, I, I, I agree that. So you, you, that you're going to be there. You're going to be like, listen, I may be greener than grass, but I'm not dumber than dirt on this stuff, buddy. And <laughs> and that's going to go over really poorly when you go to get your evaluation. Now, you might want to take some risk there, right? As an individual where you say, like, you know, I actually think about it this way. That's going to be that's that's the um, challenging piece here is when you see how the sausage is made, so to speak. And you know what right looks like, and you're in a landscape, a leadership landscape that's full of jack wagons and numbskulls and stinking thinking. Managing that rub is going to be part of your interpersonal effectiveness. That's a skill you're going to have to manage uh, here as you begin to take over the world with your incredibleness. There you go. <laughs> okay, so let's turn our attention now to some implications for those people who want to lead at high levels, for those leaders themselves, if they're already in that position, and for organizations. So let's start with for people who want to lead at high levels. These may be people who uh, the organization has deemed as being high potential, whether they know it or not. Uh, those folks, I would say, you know, I mentioned this earlier, but stay humble, uh, stay motivated. We do need great leaders out there. We need people who are in it for the right reasons, 
who are continually trying to do their best to do good things in their organizations. And having that willingness to learn is really important. If you don't have humility, if you think if you're arrogant and overly confident, then you know, you're you're probably not gonna be willing enough to learn. So stay open, stay humble uh, as you move forward. You know, Ben, I got a call from a listener yesterday that said, hey, you know, I really like what you're doing here. And this is actually somebody I knew um, from years ago and um, who still had my number. But anyway, he called me and said, listen, some of this kind of hacked me off. Now, he said it in a nice way, but the the, ba- the base level was like, but I kind of see where you're going now. And that is something that I've always appreciated about this individual is his humility and willingness to learn. He had a preconceived notion and he may still have some of those things, but he was open to at least crack the door and let some light shine in and take a look at some other perspectives. I feel confident and our country's lucky to have this guy that he's going to continue to develop and he's going to be 10 times better next year than he was this year. And the year after that, and the year after that, it's, it's amazing. And it's not to say that we know everything either. Chris and I don't know everything. We rely on the evidence that's out there and we stay apprised of that. So if the evidence were to, were to, if there were an overwhelming amount of evidence that, that, that said, hey, in order to be a leader, you need to wear this color every day. That's not going to happen. I don't think that's theoretically in the realm of possible. But then we would we would come out with an episode and say that, right? I don't, you know, we are- Doctors also, that see yeah. you in a healthcare environment, they say, okay, so what's your name? What's your age? All that stuff, or that's already on a chart. And they say, so what's going on? And then a lot of times they duck out into the hallway and they may go find, in the hallway, they may go find another colleague Hey, Fred, Nancy, have you seen this before? What do I do? Or they may Google it. Sometimes yeah. they Google it. They have a physician's desk reference. But the thing is, is they know what evidence-based thinking and that kind of stuff looks yeah. like. And they know how to go find the pro answer and then apply it. And I just want to suggest to our listeners that when it comes to this idea of staying humble and willing to learn, we we really try to, quote unquote, eat our own dog food on that one as well, because uh, that's just that's very important to us. We don't it's important in general. We don't own any of these solutions like and that's where you see consulting firms saying we developed this unique and maybe there's a few of them that have some like evidence based sauce that they came up with. But most of the time, the, the truth and the evidence and truth is like the philosopher is going to throw throw tomatoes at me. But the right stuff is found across thousands and thousands of experts who've done amazing work to build our knowledge. The stuff where you can just kind of intuit it, we already know and do those things. But some of those things that people intuited are just malarkey. And that's sure. where the thousands of smart people thinking about this and doing it and that's that's where we're coming from. So coming back to for people who want to lead at high levels, stay humble, stay motivated, realize that what works at your current level or at the a level that you've been at in the past may not be what's required at the next level. You're going to need most likely, given the research that we shared here today, some other skills, especially those strategic skills as you move forward in your career. So get some knowledge engage in learning and training, start your learning before you actually need it. And along the way, 
find those experiences, get good mentors, uh, not just one mentor, get a handful of mentors who can help to guide you both in terms of how you kind of fit in the organization and in terms of your career advancement. What's going to help you be ready, you know, in 10 years from now, you might, hey, you, you should probably do X, Y, and Z roles and, so that you are ready. So you have these experiences and are, are equipped with the skills you need. You can develop some of these in nonprofits and volunteering places. Sure. You know, there, there are places because sometimes your org is kind of messed up and you won't get to really make an impact until you're at a super senior, like way past when you should have been able to make an impact. So you're at a super senior level. That's OK. Maybe you maybe it's a governmental entity that you're in that's very calcified. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to make a change and I'm just going to I'm just going to eat my humble pie and soup and bide my time. Right. Then, how much change like you're in a position to make some pretty good change at this point in your Navy career? Sure. How when you were junior, junior, did you have as much opportunity as you have now? Oh, absolutely not. No. And did I you have to, much, much of any? <laughs> no. I mean, it was just it's just on a smaller scale. The uh, you know, when you start off, your your sphere of influence is much smaller. And probably for good reasons, even though at those junior levels, you think that you could change everything. But, you know, you probably just don't understand things quite as much as you really need to. So, you know, the other piece of advice I, I would suggest, and this, again, comes from the, the research on leader development, um, is that as you are, if you're at a more junior type of role now, build those functional business chops uh, along with keeping your eye on the strategic, the systems thinking ideas that you're going to need to have have along the way. Um, that's Those are the big pieces because remember, the cognitive and interpersonal stuff, you got to have those. Those are foundational. Those are continually important across the spectrum of leadership. As you ascend, though, business skills and those strategic skills become increasingly important with organizational level. All right. So you're already a leader. You made it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or you're further down in your leadership journey than somebody who's just starting off. Yeah. Here's some important things for you. You got to stay open to learning. Mm -hmm. Now, you may be in an organization where your chops and knowledge and stakeholder management exceeds the requirements for the job. But we live in a volatile, uncertain complex and ambiguous world VUCA and VUCA will bite the person that's like not a lifelong learner eventually probably right and so you got to keep developing those chops and what got you to that certain place is great enjoy that bask in that competency that brings a lot of fulfillment when you get like you know what I'm really good at this but um Taking that organization, and we see some CEOs that'll do this. Hey, you know, like we own a secure spot in the industry and we're kind of resting in our laurels. What do we need to do? And that requires that openness and, and continual development. It really does. If you are in a leadership role, uh, you also need to, again, focus on those strategic skills. Because remember, the research suggests that those become increasingly important over time. So you also need to know how to influence results through organizational policies and decisions. How do you shape things from that level? 
you also need to be increasingly in tune with what's going on outside of your organization, in your industry, and beyond to really do some of that. You know, you do that environmental scanning to uh, understand what's going on outside because that should inform your strategy. Yeah, it and it's as basic as sensing and responding. And that's got to be built on some expertise. Now, let's talk about organizations. And sure. So this is where having, I think the first thing is be intentional about developing leaders. The people who are in charge now are not the people who are going to be in charge in the future. At some point, the organization is going to change. Those people are going to retire. They may quit. They may get fired. They may, they may. They may actually, you know, have some other, who knows, anything could happen. You need to make sure that you're, you are continually developing future leaders. So leader development programs, that's important. Having some coaching for people, that's important. I think what's best is when you have knowledge and skill development that's coupled with experiences, where people can have these experiences, they can try out some of the stuff they're learning have those high-quality evidence-based learning experiences. They go off and try some things. They reflect upon it. They get some coaching, and they continue that cycle of development. That's a super important kind of baseline uh, model for leader development. You know, one of the things that happens in quality instruction is, you know, we talked about that lens of development and if everybody kind of knows, like, hey, listen, at, at this year of my development, I'm going to be learning the following things. And they can read ahead and see that holistic arc of their development and how you think about people development within your organization. That is incredible. People need to be able to see where this is going. It needs to make sense for their life. It's big on retention. It's big in recruiting. It's big in development. Lots of times orgs only spend money on their most senior employees. You know, evidence shows, and it depends on your budget, right? You know, but evidence shows that coaching and development programs at all levels are helpful. So those experience, don't just learn about boxing. You got to have some opportunities to grow and develop and make sure that your programs are evidence based. That's right. So you want to make sure that you're identifying high potentials in, in an appropriate way, that you're working with those folks in a way that is guided by evidence. And you know, make sure you have something for everybody, not just the top executives. Um, you want to make sure that you're developing people at all levels. Uh, make sure that you're doing a good job with how you're evaluating leadership, not just focusing on kind of the superficial things, but on actual outcomes, actual impact, and the behaviors and competencies that people have along the way. If you spend all the money on developing people, and then you don't go evaluate and make sure that they're solidifying and growing in those skills, you're not going to get the benefit out of those developments. Um, the same thing with leaders, you know, you sitting down, if you're like a VP sitting down with your directors and saying, Hey, you know, do you have a leadership philosophy or here's our, how we think about leadership with this organization? How are you displaying those leadership, these skills, these concrete skills that we've talked about today? You know, if you're at an organizational level, having a way to evaluate that your leaders are doing these things is very important. So today on the Indigo podcast, we've talked about what it takes to be an executive. We've talked about the evidence about the various skills people need to lead at different levels, 
The paths toward gaining those skills for both high potential professionals and people currently in leadership roles and implications for people who want to lead at high levels, for those leaders themselves, and for organizations. Thanks for listening to the Indigo Podcast. If you like this podcast, please consider helping us by rating us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, telling your friends about us, having us on your podcast, or mentioning us on social media. Our website is www.indigopodcast.com, where you can access more information about us and this episode. Thanks again, and we look forward to talking with you again soon.